Welcome to the Impact Podcast. We pray that this message will help you to live God's word, love like Jesus, and be led by the Holy Spirit every single day. Let's go ahead and get into this week's sermon. We are in Matthew chapter 5, and then I'm going to challenge you to quickly flip over to Galatians chapter 5. And so Matthew chapter 5, and then Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read two passages of Scripture. First of all, this is in the middle of Jesus' notorious sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. He had just finished teaching about the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He goes on to say, Blessed are you when you are persecuted and people speak all manners of evil about you. And right after that beatitude, right after the beatitude that Jesus said, you're blessed when people persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you. In verse 12 it says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And then Jesus goes on to talk about Salt and light. And here's what he says in verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? How shall it be good for seasoning? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out on the ground and trampled on by the feet of men. Verse 14, you, look to your neighbor say, he's talking about you. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, or put a lamp, or put it on, but they put it on a lampstand. They elevate it so it can give light to all who are in the house and surrounding area, so forth. Just like this, Jesus said, let your light, look to your other neighbor, say, he's still talking about you. Let your light so forth shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's flip over to Galatians chapter 5. And we're just going to read one verse. And it's found there in Galatians chapter 5 verse 7. It says, you, look to your other neighbor again and say, he's talking about you again. You ran well. You ran well. But who did hinder you from obeying the truth. Tonight I want to introduce the notion to you that throughout your life as young people, throughout your life as fathers and husbands and wives and career professionals and grandmas and grandpas, throughout your life, the entirety of your life, you will either be influenced or you will influence. So if I were to summarize my message in one word tonight, it is this, influence. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for your son. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of Calvary. We thank you for the cross of Christ. Lord, we believe and we thank you for this word that's been a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, we pray that you would anoint my lips, that I would speak not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but with a demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. God, anoint the ears of every young man and every young woman under the sound of my voice. God, as this word is brought forth, I pray the Holy Spirit would go before every word that I utter. God, enter into their hearts. God, dig deep down in their soul. Break up the hardness of the heart so that the seed that is spoken tonight may be planted deep in their hearts, that it'll bring forth fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. In the mighty name of Jesus, will you shout, not say loudly, but will you shout, Amen! Amen. All right, you can be seated. You can be seated. Like I said, you you in your life, at one point or another, you will either be influenced 
or you will be the one doing the influencing. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. You are constantly in a place where your sensory mechanisms are being overloaded, your, your taste, your touch, your senses, your, your sight, everything is constantly, that is called marketing, right? Everything is constantly coming at your natural senses as just a human being existing on this earth. Everything is coming at you with the, with the plan from a marketing to influence you, to persuade you, to get you to buy into something, either that. And then oftentimes, those same marketing companies will convince you and I to be the influencer. Come on, we live in the social media day and age where there's social media, Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and all of these things. People have made six-figure careers out of this concept of being influencers because the enemy recognizes one thing about about mankind, and he's recognized that from the very beginning in the garden of even that if he could persuade, uh huh, if he could influence, if he can convince somebody of something that is contrary to the word of God, even if he takes the word of God and he slights, he perverts it. Because let me tell you something about the enemy. If the enemy can't steal the word of God from your life, if he can't keep the word of God from coming into your life, he will, through ignorance, your inability to read the word, your inability to pray, your inability to get in the presence of God. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed because of biblical illiteracy. The people of God are destroyed because of biblical ignorance. The enemy, if he can't stop the word of God, right? That's why it's so important that you pray for me. And I'm not trying to make it about me, but you ought to pray for the preachers of the gospel. The Bible says those feet are beautiful and those people are wonderful. You ought to pray for Pastor Tom. You ought to pray for the preachers in your life because they are tasked with the, with the duty and the responsibility to deliver the unadulterated word of God. They are not trying to build up a fan base. They are not trying to build up a follower group. I want you to like me, but at the end of the day, buddy, I love you, but I really don't care if you like me. I hope you do, but if what I'm preaching means that you don't like me for a season, I promise you later in your life when you align your life up to the word of God that the preacher is preaching and you realize that those words of God were for your blessing, were for your edification, and because you lined your life up with the word of God and you allowed yourself to be influenced by the word of God, you're going to be 60, 70, 50, 40 years old, and you're going to realize that you're life has been blessed because you heeded to the word of God. But it's so important that you pray for the preachers of the gospel, the leaders in your life, because they are tasked with the responsibility of delivering the word of God to you. And the very first thing the enemy is going to try to do in your life and in my life is to prevent the word of God from coming to you, right? So he's going to attack the preachers. He's going to come against their health. He's going to come against their mental capacity. He's going to bring oppression and depression and anxiety upon them. He is going to work over time to try to keep the word of God from coming into your life, separate from the preachers and pastors in your life. How many times have you got up to read your Bible and you pick up the Bible and all of a sudden you got dyslexia, just came out of nowhere, and you don't understand the Bible and you're reading it, and you're like, this doesn't make any sense, and so you pick up the other version, and that version doesn't make sense, and your response is, huh? And you don't understand it, and you're trying to get it, and, and it's like you try to get the word of God in your life, and the enemy, right, your phone rings, or your Instagram blows up, or somebody 
calls you, your brother comes and interrupts you, or something goes on, because the enemy is trying to prevent the word from coming into your life, right? But if somehow you are able to get past that, you found yourself in the house of God tonight, you're sitting under the sound of this preacher, you're hearing the word of God coming into your life, and the enemy has failed at his first objective of preventing the word of God from coming into your life. But rest assured, the moment the word of God comes into your life, he's going to do exactly what he did through the serpent in the Garden of Eden when the word of God was delivered to Adam and Eve and said, do not eat of that fruit. The enemy came and he tried to pervert the word of God. So if he can't prevent the word of God, his next step is try to pervert the word of God. And the way he perverts the word of God in your life and in my life is he persuades you that God really didn't mean what he said when he said it. Come on. God really didn't mean that I can't have this certain thing outside of the covenant of marriage that God has reserved for marriage. God really didn't mean it when he said that. God really didn't mean that I can't get angry and curse and cuss because God was tempted in all ways as we were, and he gets it when we get mad and we get angry. So it's okay if you sin so long as you ask for forgiveness. Come on. How many of y'all have had the devil put that thought in your mind? It's okay to do this sin, and it's okay because I could ask God for forgiveness later. You don't have to raise on your hand. Don't tell, your, don't tell on yourself, but I know how the enemy works especially among teenagers, that's how he rationalizes it. He perverts the word of God. He tries to persuade you. He tries to influence you. And if he doesn't come to you directly, he's gonna put somebody in your life that says, it's okay to do this. Or it's okay, here's how I feel about the word of God. And here's my take on the word of God. Listen, I don't want your take on the word of God. I want God's take on the word of God. He wrote the book, he made the rules, and I'm gonna follow them. And listen, I'm not getting all caught up and wrapped up in the rules and saying I gotta check a bunch of things off, but I'm not taking your interpretation of what God said I ought to live my life like. I'm going to line my life up with the word of God. I'm not going to be pulled to the left. I'm not going to be pulled to the right because I recognize that by standing here, by existing on this earth, I am in a constant state of influence. I will either be influenced or I will make up my mind that I will do the influencing. And so tonight, I don't, I don't know, and I've not yet looked at my notes and gotten too far into this, but I feel the Holy Ghost when I ask this question tonight. Which category are you going to be in? Are you going to be in that Christian teenage category where you live your entire life being persuaded by everybody else that your concept of God is based off of somebody else's experience? Your concept of the Word of God is based off of what somebody else tells you about the Word of God? Or are you going to make up your mind that you are going to influence your generation for God? That you are going to be a light on the world? You are going to be a city that sits on the hill? You're going to let your light so forth shine before men? Not that they can see you and say ooh and ah and look at how great a Christian that Ethan is. Look at how wonderful a Christian that Jake is. No, the Bible says we're to let our light so forth shine before men. Not that they can see our ability. Not so they can see our talent. Not so that they can see our strength and praise us and recognize us. But we are to let our light so forth shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. That's what God intended for you to do. To let your light so shine so that you can influence your friends, that you can influence your family, that you can influence your co-workers, that you can influence your, your, your siblings, your brothers, your sisters, and those in your life. God wants you to be the influence, not to be influenced. So the passages we read tonight speak of two things. In Matthew chapter 5, it talks about the salt of the world, the salt of the earth, and the light of the world. It talks about a people of God, a church that Jesus established here on this earth when he asked the disciples, listen, 
I know that people are saying a lot of things about me. This is when Jesus was in the height of his earthly popularity. And they were saying all sorts of things about Jesus. And Jesus decided to settle the matter. They're saying a lot of things about me right now. They're calling me a prophet. They're calling me a great man of God. But who do you say that I am? And Peter stood up with boldness and said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, listen. This wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but this was revealed by my Father who was on heaven. And upon this revelation, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus, at that moment, established the concept of the church, and we entered in at that moment into the church age. And Jesus put this church here on this earth, and he realized that in their own strength and in their own might, they weren't going to be able to do it. That's why thousands of years before, he moved on the prophet Zechariah, and Zechariah prophesied, listen, this won't happen by might, it won't happen by power, but it will happen by the Spirit, says the Lord. You and I need the Spirit of God in our life. That's why in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, listen, I'm going away, but I'm coming back, but I'm not coming back the same way that you expect me. I'm coming back through the form of the Holy Spirit. And on Acts chapter 2, that Spirit ascended upon that early church, and from that moment, that church became a vessel that influenced the world for the glory of God. In just a few short generations, they had turned the world completely and utterly upside down. Why? Because they realized they were going to be an influence in this world. Let me tell you something about influence. You will not effectively have influence without the Spirit of God in your life. That is, the Holy Spirit that came in Acts chapter 2 is what empowered that church. It's what gave them their gusto. It's what gave them their push into the world. It's what gave them their actual influence. It's what gave them boldness to stand in the face of enemy opposition and obstacles. It was through the spirit of the Lord. So when the evil emperor Nero of Rome at that time decided that he would make an example of Christians and he would arrest them and he would take children that were part of Christian families and he would put them in the gladiator arena and he would loose lions out there and those lions would tear those Christians apart. Let me tell you right now, that right there is a great way to shut somebody up, right? If somebody is preaching or teaching something and you want to shut them up, take their children, put them in the middle of a lion's den and make them watch as lions tear their children limb from limb and eat them from lunch. You want to talk about shutting up a message? How about uh, how about getting your mom and your dad and putting them on a stake and dipping them in oil and, and, and dumping oil on them and lighting them on fire and putting them on stakes along Main Street and downtown and using them as street lamps and lanterns to light your city, the stench and the smell. You want to talk about, man, should I really preach this name? Should I really preach this gospel? Should I really stand firm for the name of God? Listen, we've got it easy in America. We want to go to God and cry because our iPhone charger shorted out and we don't have the latest and greatest MagSafe charger and we don't have this and, and our iPhone is too old. Listen, that early church faced great persecution. That's why in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was teaching the Beatitudes and he said, blessed are you when you are persecuted and they speak all manners of evil against you and right away by the Spirit he goes into this and said, listen, you're the light of the world. Let your light so forth shine before men. Ignore the persecution. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. 
difficult to be isolated and to be separate and to be different and to be called out and be sanctified and be anointed and be different than everybody else. I know it's, it feels weird when everybody else is listening to it and dancing to it and responding to it that you decide that you're going to live your life different. But friend, it's so you can maintain the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's so that you don't dim your light and you let your light shine forth for the glory of God. You will never be an influence without the Spirit of God in your life. They needed the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. The Lord knew that. That's why Jesus was prompted to teach it in Matthew chapter 5 on a Sermon on the Mount before he was ever crucified. He knew what these disciples were going to face. He knew when he was gone what they were going to face. And he knew, think about it, the moment Jesus was crucified, what did they do? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, they forsook him and fled. All of the disciples, all of them forsook him and fled. I mean, in John chapter 6, I believe verse 66, Jesus is teaching and he looks around and he sees this great multitude following him and he says, listen, unless you're willing to leave your mama and your daddy and your mother and your father, forsake all and pick up your cross and follow me, quit wasting my time. I mean, this was a hard message from Jesus. Like, you're not going to be, I'm not calling you my disciple unless you're willing to kind of forsake all and follow me. And the Bible says, and many followed him no more from that day forward. If a simple rebuke from Jesus can make people not follow, if the crucifixion of Christ can make the 12 disciples who saw every one of the miracles that you read, and there are miracles that were never recorded, read your Bible. In the Gospels, the Bible says Jesus would go into a city and he, he would heal everybody in the city. We're talking about these disciples witnessed thousands of miracles, thousands of miracles. Jesus would work for God day in and day out for hours on end. They saw the miraculous moving of God, but yet when they crucified him, the Bible says they went back to fishing. It wasn't until that Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 that they had what they needed to be the influence. They had what they needed to be the influence. So friend, first of all, let me tell you, you need the Holy Ghost in your life. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the evidence of speaking in the unknown tongue in your life. You need to be able to speak that heavenly language unto God because there are going to be times in your life when you're faced with trial and persecution and you, the Bible says that you won't know what to pray, but the spirit within you will make groanings and utterings and you will pray in words that cannot be uttered. Come on, there have been times in my life when I was a, when a young father, when money was tight, when things were difficult, when everybody's sleeping and I was all alone and I had to get up and I had to pray and I couldn't wake up the family, I couldn't use my words, so there were times I had to sit there rocking back and forth on my knees and just groaning out to God. I've told you before, God speaks tears. You need to be able to get in the spirit and pray with groanings that cannot be uttered. There are some times that you need to pray and you just don't know what to pray about. Come on, anybody ever been there before? Come on, you've been so downtrodden. You've been so beaten up by the enemy. You know you feel that need to pray, but you go to your prayer closet and you open up your mouth and you can't form the English words, your native tongue, to even pray about this thing. It's messed you up so bad. It's hurt you so bad. It's worried you so much. You've got so much fear and anxiety you don't know what to say but all of a sudden you let out a hold on and you start praying in the Holy Ghost and you get a hold of God and all of a sudden his spirit comes in you and, and it begins to encourage you the Bible says in Jude chapter 1 verse 20 but ye beloved building up yourself in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost the enemy is trying to tear you down the enemy is trying to ruin this generation he's trying to steal kill and destroy and you and I need 
need the ability to build up ourselves in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Anybody being helped by this word tonight? Hallelujah. You are either being influenced by this world or its system. Or you are actively influencing it for the kingdom of God. That word influence means the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something. The capacity to have an effect. Listen. God wants you to have an effect on your generation. God wants you to have an effect on your basketball team, young men. He wants you to have an effect on your volleyball team, young ladies. He wants you to have an effect in your school. He wants you to have an effect in your family. He wants the church to have an effect on this world. He wants us to have influence. And the enemy will all the time work overtime to steal that influence. Pastor Tom tells an analogy like this. The tomato and the onion. You could take a tomato and you could take an onion. And you could put it in a Tupperware container and close the lid and set it on the counter for a couple days. And if you go back a couple of days later and try to make yourself a sandwich. And you get that knife out and you cut that onion. That onion still tastes like onion. You cut that tomato and don't put it on anything. Just take a bite out of tomato and tell me what that tomato tastes like. I'll go ahead and tell you it tastes like onion. It still looks like a tomato. Oh, come on, somebody. It still has the resemblance of a tomato. Everything about it says take a bite of me and you will experience a tomato. But if you take a bite of that tomato that's been shacked up with that onion, because the onion has a greater influence in the tomato, all of a sudden that tomato isn't a tomato anymore. It sure looks like one. It's where tomato ought to be. But when you bite into it, it doesn't give you the experience of eating a tomato because essentially it's like eating an onion. Likewise, we and the people of God, the Bible says we are in this world. Come on now. But we are not of it. In other words, we have to be like the onion. We have to be the one that has the greater influence. And I'm so tired of coming in on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night in the church of God and you begin to engage in a conversation or you watch people and you observe people in their pursuit of the Lord and you begin to quickly realize, and this isn't being judgmental, but this is judging things by their fruits. The Bible says you will know them by their fruits. And you watch and you hear stories about what you did over the weekend and you think that the youth pastor is dumb and he's ignorant. And I'm telling you right now, that stuff comes full circle because you young people don't know how to stop talking. Y'all talk about each other all the time, and it always gets back to me. And I don't know why, it just always gets back to me. But what I'm trying to tell you is it becomes clear and evident that some people are in this world, and they are of it too. Come on, you find yourself at church on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, but you're still of this world. Right? Because the Bible says, <laughs> here at the end of the day, we need to be the onion. I'm just going to leave it there. Right? We can be in this world and not of it. We can't help where we're at. We can't help where we're born. We're just passing through. I can't help the fact that I got to go to work. And I can't help the fact that my coworkers cuss like drunken sailors. I can't help the fact that they don't believe in God. I do my best to help them believe in God. But I can't help the fact that they don't believe the way I believe. 
okay? But I can go to work, and I can allow their attitudes to influence me and then bring it home and infect my family with that bad attitude, and all of a sudden that world is influencing me versus me going into the workplace and influencing the world. The Bible says that we ought to be the influence. We are in this world and not of this world. We have got to make sure that when this world comes and they experience us because we look like Christians. Come on. We look like Christians. Right? We bouncing around in church like Christians. We're praising God like Christians. We're at all the Christian events. We do all the Christian things. But when this world is going through trouble and trial and they go to look for the first thing that looks like a Christian, hoping that they can find that Christian experience, when they take a bite of us proverbial and they try to taste and see that the Lord is good, it tastes like onion. Right? We ought to not just look like believers. Come on. We ought to be believers. We ought to not just look like people of God. Our lifestyle ought to reflect that of the children of God. We ought to have an influence, right? Not just an image. Come on, somebody. But an influence. God doesn't want us just to have the image of Christ. He wants us to have the image and the influence of Christ. Because, listen, not everything that looks like Jesus is like Jesus. So there are, there are, four, there, there are three men in the Bible. You all know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and? All right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar issued a decree, and he said, listen, when you hear the sound of the music, I don't want anyone to do anything but bow down and worship that image. You all know the story, right? They played the music. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down. He, they refused to do what everybody else was doing. Fast forward through the story. They ended up getting thrown in the fiery furnace. It was heated up seven times hotter than it ever needed to be. And they weren't consumed. And Nebuchadnezzar looked in the fire and realized that the Son of God was walking into that fire with him. And what did Nebuchadnezzar say? He brought them out and said, listen, here's what I expected to happen in this situation. But it didn't happen. So God's with them. And so I'm going to issue a new decree. Nobody is to worship any other God but the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Talk about influence. Come on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had an opportunity. Pastor Todd Hoskins, how many of y'all here for IYC preached that message, culture of compromise? Come on. That's the culture that you and I are in right now. We live in this world, and there's a culture that says you've got to go with the flow here. You've got to believe the way we believe. You've got to think the way we think. You've got to act the way we act. And if not, we're going to cancel you. We're in this cancel culture. If you don't go with the flow, if you keep resisting, and you keep swimming against the current, and you, could be, and you keep being weird, and if you don't blend in and be normal, we're just going to cancel you. And that's essentially what happened in that Babylonian empire. They were living in a proverbial cancel culture. If you didn't bow down, they were going to kill you. They were going to cancel you. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the face of opposition, in the face of a compromising culture, they stood firm for God. And because of their firm stance in the face of enemy opposition, they maintained their influence. Did they still have to go through the fire? The answer is yes. Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, like we read, Jesus said, blessed are you when you are persecuted and they speak all manners against evil against you. Jesus said, you will have trouble. You will have trial. You may, you may still have to face the fiery furnace. You may still have to go through the lion's den. You may still have to march around Jericho. You may still have to face the enemy. But if you stand firm for God in the face of the enemy, I'm telling you, you'll maintain your influence. And when the battle is done and when the debt is settled, when everything and the debate is long over, they will believe in the Lord God because why you stood firm and you didn't compromise. You maintained your influence versus being influenced. 
I'm in this world, but not of it. I want to tell you a story in 1 Kings chapter 13. This is a story I'm going to bet that most of you don't know in the Bible. It's in 1 Kings 13, whole chapter. There's a young prophet who is sent by God to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. So he's sent to the house of God where the word of God should be flowing. And Jeroboam, the king of Israel at that time, was an evil king. And he was worshiping false gods. He was making false sacrifices in the house of God to Baal and Ashtaroth and all these false gods. And God sent this young prophet to Bethel and said, listen, Jeroboam, there's basically a curse coming on this land because you continue to defy the house of God and you continue to sacrifice to false gods. And the Bible says Jeroboam got so angry and so mad that he reached forth his hand basically to strangle this young prophet. And in a moment of fit and rage, as he reached forth his hand, the Bible says that the Lord struck him. His hand withered up leprous, and, and the altar split, and ashes fell out. It was this big ooh-ah scene, and all of a sudden, Jeroboam's like, whoa, what just happened? And he said, I'm sorry, basically. Yo, 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 chill. Like, for real, I'm sorry. Yo, forgive me. And the Bible says this young prophet prayed over Jeroboam, and, and the Lord restored his hand instantly, and Jeroboam's like, come have dinner with me. Like, that's the obvious response, right? Come hang out. Like, I owe you a pizza Come hang out at my house. And the prophet said, listen, no, 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 no. God told me I can't hang out here. God told me not to eat in this defiled land. God told me not to stay and hang out here. In fact, he told me not even to come. He told me not even to leave the same way I came. He told me to get out of town. And so he gets out of town, and Jeroboam's like, all right, dude. So the, the young prophet is leaving, and he's on his way out of town. And all of a sudden, this old prophet, who used to be a prophet who heard the word of God, he used to speak like this young prophet, but at some point in his life, he was bought out by King Jeroboam, and the anointing of God lifted off of him because he refused to prophesy what God said. He would prophesy fake prophecies just to make the people happy and make the king happy. He, he was sold out to the word of God, and he lost the anointing on his life. But this young prophet was leaving town, and the old prophet heard about it. And so he runs out to this young prophet. He goes, I heard what you did. It reminded me of my glory days. Come have dinner with me. Come stay at my house. We're like two kindred people. We're just like each other. The young prophet said, no, God told me not to stay here. He told me I had to go, not to, not to eat, not to shack up, not to stay at night, like leave a different way, get out of town. That's what the Lord told me. Here's what the old prophet said. Listen, an angel of the Lord came to me, and he told me to tell you that God wants you to stay and have dinner with me. And the young prophet was like, did he? Now you see how the enemy works. He couldn't stop the word, but now all of a sudden he perverted the word. And he used the influence of an older man of God. That's why you better watch what you listen to. That's why you better watch the preaching you sit under. That's why you better watch what you retweet. That's why you better watch that third. That's, that's why you better watch that thirty-second clip that just sounds good. You better listen to that whole sermon and make sure you're behind the spirit and anointing and doctrine that man is carrying versus retweeting some thirty-second garbage that makes you feel good. You better make sure it's real and it's authentic and it's true and it's under the power of God because this young prophet believed the older prophet versus believing what God had told him. Now all of a sudden the enemy perverted what this young man knew in his heart. God had told knew in his heart, right? And all of a sudden he goes and he has dinner with him and he starts feeling. He's like, listen, I can't stay. I got to go. Dinner was great, but I love you. Bye. And he left. And on his way out of town, the Lord sent a lion and killed that young prophet. You better watch the influences. Because we're living in a day and age where the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. 
And you better know the word of God in your life versus taking it for somebody else's. But I'm glad that you're here. And all I can do is tell you that by the, the heaviness of God, I'm going to preach you the word of God every week. But don't take my word for it. You better get your Bible. Thank you for listening to the Impact Podcast. We hope that it blessed you as much as it blessed us. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at ImpactYM. We love you. We hope you have a great rest of your day.